I'm going to ask Eric and Whitney Moffler to stand because I want to recognize them. They've applied for membership at our church, and our elders have approved them. They did that a couple weeks ago, but this is the first time Eric's off work on a Sunday. So let's, let's welcome the two of them here as members of our church. Welcome aboard. If you don't know them, be sure to have a chat with them because they're good people. Uh, last night when we were in uh, prayer time, I had the Lord kind of show me, I think some folks would call it a vision. To me, it was a mental impression. I, I kind of saw this big ship and uh, someone going along with a big scraper, scraping the barnacles off the bottom of that thing. You know, barnacles are those things that attach themselves to the bottom of the ship and build up resistance so it can't flow through the water like they want to. So it gets more cost efficient to try to move that thing. So they scrape off the barnacles. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm scraping off the barnacles. There are things that have attached themselves either to a church, to our lives, our families, our business, things that don't belong, that have attached themselves, that hold us back. They're, they hinder us from moving forward. And the Lord is scraping off the barnacles. So if you're going through some hard things in your life, consider that and see if maybe that's the answer. God's scraping some extras off your life. Amen. So we're going to talk today about blessing. This is the final part of our series uh, from the book of Psalms where we're learning about how God expresses his worship to God. And he, there's a common phrase that's used quite often in the book of Psalms, and that is Blessed is the man in the King James Version. Uh, I, I appreciate the modern English translations taking out the man part and putting the word one in there because that the promises aren't just to men. The promises are also to women. It's to any soul that's blessed. The same favor falls upon them. So I appreciate them changing it to blessed are those or blessed is the one because that's really the intent of the author. And on the, at the top of your outline that you have there, it gives us the definition, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, for blessed. It means of or enjoying happiness, bringing pleasure, contentment, or good fortune. In other words, having the favor of God, the hand of God in your life, having God opening doors, having God watch over us, taking care of us, making sure we don't do too dumb of things. So I want to share five different scriptures in the Psalms where it says, blessed is the one. And if you want God's favor in your life, if you want good fortune in your life, if you want contentment and happiness in your life, these things you have to do. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're blessed. We have to take some action steps to get this blessing going in our life. So what are some of the action steps? The first one is found in Psalm 1-1. The whole book of Psalms starts out with this. Blessed is the one who does not, notice this is a negative, who does not walk in the step, in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Obviously the sit, stand, walk has to do with our position in life, the people we hang out with, the people we associate with, the, the people that we, we draw insight from. Don't stand with negative people if you want to be blessed. Blessed is the one who doesn't. 
So we're talking about a pattern of influences. Now that doesn't mean stay away from sinners, because we're never going to win a sinner to the Lord if we stay away from them. What it means is don't let them influence us. On the contrary, we should be influencing them. It's not dangerous for a Christian to hang out with sinners. Did you know that? What's dangerous is if we let them influence us. That's the dangerous part. There's a, I, I guess, I guess I could illustrate it like this. Sin is kind of like a cockleburr. How many know what a cockleburr is? You know, when you walk through a cockleburr patch, they will attach themselves to, to your, the wrist of your, your jacket, to one of your socks, and you carry that thing wherever you go till finally you say, what is that? And yank it off. Cockleburrs were designed by God, you know. He created everything. And he created those cockleburrs with little pointy pricks on them that have little barbs on the end. So that when an animal would walk past, that cockleburr would attach itself to the fur of the animal. And the animal would carry that cockleburr, which, which held the seeds of the next generation, miles away. And then eventually it would fall off and there would plant, there'd be a whole new cockleburr plant and it would start all over again. Sin is like a cockleburr. When we brush up against it, it attaches itself. And then we carry it on and deposit it someplace else and it just keeps spreading. When that dawned on me, that the Lord showed me that just, just this last week, I thought, Wow, I can just see so many applications of that in my own life and what I see happening in the lives of others. Sin is like a cockleburr. I can think of, uh, uh, off the top of my mind, two instances where Jesus was invited to a reception at someone's house in the Gospels. One time he went to the house of a Pharisee. Now the Pharisee were the right-wing group, you know, they were the, con the ultra-conservatives and and they were very legalistic, holding, holding to the way it's always been, didn't want to shift anything. They were the religious crowd. And they invited Jesus to come to their house for a reception. Now, who do you suppose the Pharisee invited to come to the reception? You know, birds of a feather flock together, a bunch of Pharisees. And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to hang out with you right-wing folks. He went to their reception and he taught them the things of God. Amen. Another time, he was invited to a tax collector's house. Now, the tax collectors were the liberals. They were the ones that were way over on the left-wing side that identified with the Roman Empire and the government, and, and they wanted to connect with the power of the Roman government, let the, the government take care of things. So the so, so the tax collector held a reception and invited Jesus to come. And who do you think he invited to come to his reception? Tax collectors. Birds of a feather flock together. His social network. They invited the social network. And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to go over and identify with you guys. He went to the tax collector's reception and taught them the things of God. He walked through every opportunity, and neither place influenced him. He influenced both places. 
wherever he went. He didn't close doors any place. The only harsh words he, words he ever had for anyone were the religious people that tried to hold people back from what he was teaching. So avoid the bad influences in your life. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says it like this. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. The people you hang out with do have an influence on you. So carefully select who you're going to go to and identify with and hang out with the people that you let your hair down because when you let your hair down with somebody and be honest, that's when they start influencing you. Okay? So, if you want to be blessed, don't avoid bad influences or do avoid bad influences. Here's number two, second one. Psalm 32 verse 2 says this about being blessed. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. I like that phrase, the Lord does not hold against them. That's what forgiveness is. So my second point is, blessed are those who abound in forgiveness. Forgiveness is something we can become immersed in, that God forgives everything about me. Every offense, everything that I've done, even the thoughts spinning through my corrupt mind right now, God doesn't hold it against me. Shows me favor. How merciful, how gracious. What a wondrous God that is that would know every secret about us and yet show us favor. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25 in the Living Bible, Bible, we read this. But when you are praying, no, notice the context. When you are praying, when you're having a conversation with God, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge on against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you your sins too. That's from the Living Bible. I like the way they, they describe forgiveness holding a grudge against. That's unforgiveness. That's unforgiveness. Forgiveness received, if it's really received, must be forgiveness released. If we're going to receive forgiveness and really receive it and make it part of our life, it's got to be something that's released. So if I'm going to receive forgiveness that God sends my way, if I've really received it, it can be manifested by people seeing me release it for others. I'm not holding a grudge against others. I'm not holding it against them. We, the church, we are messengers of God. We are ambassadors. We represent Him down here. How can we say, uh, my sin's been forgiven. All my sin's nailed to the cross. It's all been washed away, but yet we hold an offense against someone else who's done us dirty. Do we really have a grasp of this forgiveness concept? Because we are to be representatives of God on this earth. And the only way some stubborn people can ever see the grace of God is to see it manifested through us. Amen. Easier said than done. But can be done, as Jesus showed us. Releasing grudges. 
Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We model him in, in the world. All right, here's number three. <clears throat> Blessed are those who apply the law of reciprocity. Apply the law of reciprocity. In Psalm 41, verse 1, tells us, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. Reciprocity. I have, uh, I have at home a tool called a reciprocal saw. It's called reciprocal because it reciprocates. What goes out comes back. It's got a blade at the end of it that goes out and comes back and just out in, out in, out in. Reciprocal saw can cut through anything, almost. Pretty handy tool. The law of reciprocity is a pretty handy tool for those of us that want to be blessed. What it means is what I give out is what comes back. So I've got to keep giving out. I show someone respect, and lo and behold, somebody else comes and shows me respect. That's the way it works. I give to the Lord's work, and lo and behold, the door opens up and God gives back to me. Once you see that law of reciprocity in action, you start looking for opportunities to sow seed. Because where you sow it, or I should say what you sow, is what's going to come back to you. The Message, the message Bible translates uh, Psalm 41.1. It says, dignify those who are down on their luck. Dignify them. What's the first thing that pops into your mind when, when you're driving into Walmart or some store and you see somebody standing on the side of the road with a sign wanting you to give them some money? What's the first thought pops in your mind? Get a job. Get a job. That's the first thing that pops in our mind. But none of us really know what that person is going through. What that, what's going on in that person on the inside? Dignify those who are down on their luck. Treat them with some respect. Because if you treat them with disrespect, you suppress them and you hold them right where they are. The only way they're ever going to get out of there is if somebody treats them with some, gives them some self-esteem treats them with some kind of respect. That's why Jesus had no problem going up to blind beggars and treating them with respect. Going up to demon-possessed maniacs and treating them with respect. God help us to represent Christ on the earth. Apply the law of reciprocity. I've got four scriptures real quickly I want to go through with you that talk about this. The first is Matthew 7, verse 12. <clears throat> Jesus said, in everything, therefore, treat, uh, that's a verb, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. We call this the golden rule. Treat other people the way you want them to treat you. Not the way they just treated you. The way you want them to treat you. You see what we're doing? We're treating other people Looking to the future, not looking to the past. Looking to the past says, well, you didn't, you didn't treat me right. 
Therefore, you deserve to have me not treat you right. But no, he's sowing seed. He's looking into the future. Treat them the way you want them to treat you. This is walking by faith. The world's way is to give them what they deserve. The faith way is to give them what they need. Because we represent God on this earth. Here's the second thing I want us to see. Psalm 126 verse 5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Here's, here's the word picture here. A farmer who lives off the land goes out into his field. And usually back in the day they didn't have very large fields. And they would plant their crop. And they would have to wait all summer long. Because what they just sowed has disappeared. They put it in the ground. It's rotted. It's died. And they have to wait all summer long. And in the fall, it's grown. They go out and they harvest. They harvest with joy. They put it in the barn. They eat away at it. All winter long. Into the spring, they're eating away at their grain. They're seeing their supply go down. Kind of corresponds with you writing checks at the end of the week. You're seeing your supply going down. Check after check, it's going down, it's going down. And then just when they get to the point where it's really going down fast, they recognize it's planting season again. I've got to take this food that my, I'm feeding my family, I'm feeding myself, I'm feeding my children. I'm, if I have servants, I'm feeding them. I have a responsibility. And I've got to take what I've got, and I've got to go out into the field, and I've got to bury that precious grain. And it's going to rot, and it's going to die. We could be eating that. And then all summer long, he's got to wait and stretch out what little bit he's got left. So he sows in tears, but he reaps in joy. Do we see this? Sowing seed costs a farmer. Giving away something costs us. It's giving away a part of ourself. It costs. It's with tears. That's okay. Because we reap with joy. And a person who sows in tears knows what's happening in the future. We understand that God works in our life. Do you understand that? Then it's okay to sow with tears. It's okay to give sacrificially. It's okay to make an investment that takes a lot of faith. It's okay to do it even with tears. But our faith tells us a reward is coming back. Here's the third scripture about the law of reciprocity. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 8. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does... This he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Notice, your status doesn't matter. Whether you're a slave or whether you're free, whether you're in debt or debt-free, whether you got a job or just lost a job, it doesn't make any difference what your status is. The spiritual principle works. If you sow, you'll reap a harvest. But we've got to do the sowing first. And, and notice it says whatever good thing each one does. 
It's individual. We're not talking about the good thing the church does together when we come together, but what you do individually. God's watching you as an individual. He's got his eye on me. He's got his eye on you. Because he loves us. He's got a plan. It's a spiritual return. It's not a, a natural return. So the rich man can give $10,000, big sacrifice, and he get a return. But the poor man can give $1, which is a big sacrifice for him, and get a return. Because it's a spiritual investment that each one makes. All right, here, here's the fourth scripture. Job chapter 4, verse 8. Job says, as I have, have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. This, this is a negative return. You know, weeds grow just as good as crops. If you sow weeds, they're going to grow. They're going to flourish. If you sow beans, corns, and carrots, they're going to grow and flourish. So what's the seed you're sowing? What are you giving out of yourself with a plan of it growing for the future? We need to be thinking about this. Negative sowing results in negative reaping. I want to stay on the positive side. How about you? Okay, here's, here's the fourth thing about being blessed. If you want to be blessed in your life, uh, pay attention to this. Uh, in Psalm 84, verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. I know what, I know Muslims do a pilgrimage. So I looked that word up. I wanted to know, what are you talking about? We're on a, our, our, we're, our hearts are set on a pilgrimage. What does that mean? I looked that up, and uh, it literally means a journey. Uh, a highway to Zion, it's translated in one version. A highway to Zion. It's a pathway. We're on a journey. We're not where we want to be. Is, is, is there anybody here that is right where you want to be in life? You don't want any more? You got, you got the full load of blessing you just can't take anymore? Not me. Where do we want to go in life? What journey are we on? I went to the funeral of a friend on Friday, fellow, fellow pastor, younger than me. And, there were, and he had several people get up and share his life story. And I learned things I didn't know. I've, I'd seen him since he was a pastor. That's when I got to meet him and we had this relationship. But it was interesting to hear the story of how he got to where he was. They said he had 13 careers before he finally decided to turn his life over to the Lord and go that way. That's a lot of shifting. That's a lot of moving. That's a lot of starting and starting over and starting over. Thirteen. And as I listened to all those people honor my friend, I got to thinking, what are people going to say about me? Because, you know, I'm on the downside now. I realize that. And I realize I'm sowing seed now that I got a limited time for it to bring, bring produce. I mean, what I... 
what seeds I sowed 20 years ago, I'm enjoying the fruit of that now, but I don't have 20 years to go, probably not. So I have to reflect on my own life and I have to say, what am I doing with my life? And not only what do I want people to say about what I did with my life, but what do I want God to say about what I did with my life? John 18, verse 36. It says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I'd not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. His, his kingdom, the kingdom of God is not of this world. It doesn't work like economists say it's supposed to work. God works the way he wants to work. Amen. And he surprises, the way, he surprises us with the way he works if we'll give him a chance. The journey is spiritual and God is changing our hearts. This is how he changes the world, by changing multiple hearts. And God's at work changing my heart all the time. Sometimes I don't like it. But he's trying to change my heart. I remember as a kid, my dad, uh, as a trade, was a mail carrier. Walked 13 miles every day, six days a week, Monday through Saturday, rain or shine, winter or summer, every day was the same thing for him, 13-mile walk, to deliver mail. And he had this big bag he would put over his shoulder. Now, today they have a nice light nylon bag they carry around, but my dad had one of these big leather bags. I remember as a kid, it was so heavy, I couldn't lift it off the floor. He'd put that on his shoulder, and he'd fill it up with mail first thing in the morning. He'd head out on his journey, delivering mail from home to home to home. So far down, he'd run out of mail, and he'd stop at one of those green boxes they have, and he'd load his bag up again and head out again. When that got empty, he'd stop at a third box, load that up, deliver mail all day long. Years later, I remember noticing my dad had one shoulder higher than the other. And I asked my mom, why is, why is dad's shoulder higher than the other one? Because I thought maybe it was a curvature of the back thing or something. And I asked her and she said, well, that's from all those years carrying that big, heavy letter bag. His body had adjusted and his shoulder was just higher than the other one. And I got to thinking about that. That's like us. If we set habits for ourselves. If we make our minds up how we're going to live our life, if we discipline ourselves to do things the way God wants us to do them, it becomes a habit and we adjust to that way. So what are the habits and the things that you have adjusted to? I've got an A, B, and a C here on how God is trying to grow us. The A, he's trying to grow our capacity for compassion. Compassion is to have empathy and to care about someone else, someone else's problems, someone else's situation, so that I can be part of the redemption rescue process in their life. I have to feel for it first, I have to have compassion. B, God's growing my network of supporters. 
You are my network of supporters. Did you know that? I've got another network of supporters going to get here about 1030. And then I've got a network of supporters that don't even come to our church. Like the pastor friend of mine that passed away Friday. Or had the funeral Friday. You should be developing a network of people who support you, encourage you, pray for you, advise you. And you do the same in response to them. And the C, God is growing our understanding of God's grace. It's, I, you know, I understood God's grace when I experienced it. I understood that. But every time I see God's grace at work in someone else's life, my appreciation of grace, the grace of God goes a little deeper. Every time I see someone's life, who, so, someone who really, really boogered up their life, I mean, really made a mess of things, and then I see God pick them up out of their pit of despair and give them purpose and give them uh, something to live for, it excites me to see God still doing that. I appreciate the grace of God and my understanding of it, and He's trying to grow our understanding of it. Okay, my time's slipping away. Here, here's number five. It's found in Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. And I think the term law, although it originally meant the Mosaic law, I think it has to do with his word. With his word. Blessed are those who accept godly instruction who accept it, who will let God speak the tough things, who will let God reveal himself to us. So one of the reasons we have uh, an opportunity to get involved in groups, and we kind of communicate it through the involvement guide. We want you to know what groups you can have, because we all need to keep stretching ourselves. We need to keep growing ourselves, and we do that in community, not being independent contractors. We do that in community working together. Three scriptures I'll share real quickly because my time's going. Proverbs 8 verses 32 through 36. Now then my children listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. This is not a rebuke to us. He's saying, seek me out. I can't wait to give you the good news. I can't wait to tell you what you're missing. I can't wait to fill in the blanks and connect the dots. He wants to work in our lives, but we've got to seek him out. Blessed are all those who heed the instructions. Here's the B, Proverb 19.20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Learn now. Don't wait 10 years from now and then learn it. Learn now because you get to benefit from what you've learned from now to the end of your days. If you wait 10 years to learn that, then you only have a shorter time. 
to apply it to your life and see the favor and blessing of God in your life. Learn these lessons now. It's wisdom for the future. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When I read this book, because it was written by people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and God was dropping thoughts in their minds, and they were writing them using their own personality, their own experience, but they were writing what God was saying to them. And so we today, we can pick this book up and we can read, read what it says, and it's like the Spirit of God interprets it to us. I can read one verse and it says one thing to me. You can read the same verse and it'll say something different because it's the Spirit interpreting the Word. The Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep. It cuts with precision accuracy. It goes right to the heart of the matter. And God shows us where we've been messing up, shows us where we've been missing it, shows us new insight and new things to answer our questions. I'm up here preaching to you the message that God put on my heart, but you may be going through problems that I don't have any clue of. So that's why you need to get into the book for yourself. I can give you a generic message, but you're the one who's going to have to get into the Word and let, that, let the sword of the Spirit cut deep down into your life, able to separate between soul and spirit. Who can do that? But God knows. Bring conviction. Bring awareness. Bring spiritual gifts out in our lives. That's how God works. Answers our questions. I'm spending the rest of my life trying to get some answers to some questions in my life. Why do you let this happen to me, God? Why am I in this dilemma? I'm asking these questions. God's Word is able to give me the answers. Let's stand together. And as you do so, I want, I want us all to think. I want us to think about something you're going through. Some situation may have to do with a relationship or health or your business. Some, some problem. Maybe it's some, somebody you just care about going through some real dilemma. I want you to think about that problem. You don't know how to fix it. But you know God does. So you need God to speak to you. You need God to speak to you. What does he want you to do? How do you break out of this prison? How do you, how do you solve this problem? I want you to be thinking about that problem. Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. I pray the Holy Spirit, Father, flows through me uh, and, and touches the lives of every man and woman here as they're thinking about and naming this problem, this dilemma, the thing they need an answer to. And Lord, I pray your spirit would bring insight, would be like a light shining, Father, the, the dawn coming up in the morning to break the darkness. I pray that the, there would be life, Father, that would flow. I pray that you'd bring insight and revelation and instruction. Show us where we're doing the wrong thing and show us what is the right thing that we need to do. 
Father, give us insight. Reveal those things to us. Empower us to be the ambassadors, the messengers of Christ here on this earth. Send us out of these doors, Father, with an anointing that changes the world around us. Show us what we need to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to be blessed. I want God's favor to fall upon you. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to not just abide in you, but to like flow out of you like a river flows, like the river flow, flew out, flowed. What's the word? Flowed out of the throne, you know, down to the people. I want, to, I want us to be the church he's called us to be. We have angels to support us, right? And we have demons to oppose us. The greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. Amen? Amen. So we got prayer partners up here uh, that, that are going to pray with you. If you have a, uh, a need, let them agree with you. Go with God. Enjoy your Labor Day.